Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and I am here, as always, with Jay Jones. Good morning. You like that pause that I give before your name? <laughs> Jay Jones. Yeah. You're get being a little bit artistic, huh, with your intros now? Just trying to make it, just trying to make it dramatic. You're just making a better case for you doing the intros and outros. That's oh, what goodness. you're trying to do. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> if you want to do them all, you can just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No complaints. Okay. That's. <laughs> yeah. You do this weekend? Uh, go to a track meet. Yeah, it was cold out there, wasn't it? Yes, it was very. It was very cold. Second winter shouldn't be that cold. No, right now, <laughs> no, it and it was very windy. Yeah, so that was not a great time. Mm-hmm. I saw the picture of you guys all bundled up. And track is a lot of standing around. Like mm-hmm. it's different than going to other right. kids' activities, right? Because there's a bunch of stuff going on at the same <laughs> time, right? Yeah, and you know, she's got she's in like four events, mm-hmm. but they're not back to back to back, right? And you just you just stand there and wait, and I mean, just watch other kids, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's fun in its own way. Yeah, I wish it was like we know these events will happen at this time. Mm. Then we could be like, all right, we'll be back in two hours, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. But nope. So it's like a marathon event to go for the parents, a sprint for the athletes, but a marathon for the parents. Very nice. See, I can be artistic. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to show me up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm in Ecclesiastes, you know, and he's very artistic. Right. Maybe I'm trying, he's rubbing off on me. Okay. To be more subtle with my points. Okay. Artistic. Mm. So they hit harder. Okay. When they actually come. Or sometimes they don't hit at all because you have no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can say something profound, but if you leave everyone just going, yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well, you're back in Ecclesiastes. Yep. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter nine, beginning in verse thirteen and going through verse four of chapter ten. Mm, yeah, yeah. But the section <clears throat> really, um, when I outlined it, is a twelve point sermon. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, mm-hmm. I got a twelve point sermon which is, I guess, a fine if you're doing secret church <laughs> like David Platt does. Mm-hmm. We're going to be here all night. Right. Uh, but that's the section. It's about shrewdness or really about wisdom, wisdom mm-hmm. applied, how wisdom is better than folly. And so it's a, it's a section I've kind of been dreading since I started outlining the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at the very beginning. It's like, I have no idea what I'm going to do at the end of this book. <laughs> um, so he just He just throws everything that he he has left yeah, in I, here and it's like eh, I, it's I told you it's like he's like uh, ran out of time in the pulpit mm-hmm. and he's like I'm about to give you 40 things all at once ba 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 right uh, it's not, that joke about the the preacher that says and finally and then goes right. on for another half hour mm-hmm. but he doesn't spend a lot of time on all of them he just mm-hmm. there's they right. come so quickly right. so 12 point sermon but can't you can't do that so yeah. I did four I don't know. I was I was really looking forward to it. You were looking forward yeah. to getting them all in. You know, I was out of town this weekend, so I didn't get to hear it when you preached it, and I I was left kind of wondering how many you were gonna do. Yeah. So I did. I only did uh, four. You didn't even do six. Yeah. Maybe it'll turn into a three sermon series. Okay. Who knows? Yeah. 
Okay. Who knows what's possible? So all yeah. things are possible mm-hmm. with God. <laughs> yeah. So yep. Okay. So we'll see. So uh, twelve point twelve points, but four this time. Yeah, we did four. Okay. How far does this passage go? Does it go into chapter eleven, or is I mean, is this the rest of the? What is this? Where I will stop on these 12 mm. is in verse 6 of chapter 11. Okay. Uh, because verse 7, it appears to me, begins a, a lesson on um, not taking your life for granted, and in particular, while you're young, glorifying God. Mm. Okay. Yep. Remembering God. Remember mm-hmm. God in right. your youth. Mm-hmm. Right. You, people that are young think they have all the time in the world, so it's from that perspective, and that's mm. really where that starts. So um, that's where, at least, where I'm ending it. But like I said, uh, one of the beauties, I guess, and one of the it's both a uh, curse and a blessing for the preacher uh, is that when experts in Hebrew Hebrew tell you that this book can't be outlined, mm-hmm. well, that just took a lot of pressure off of me, right? Because people say, "Well, I don't, I don't really uh, maybe agree with how you broke that up," and then you can say, "Well, no one else does either, <laughs> right. and no one else will agree with how anyone else." It, outlined okay, this so book. it takes so it takes a little bit of the pressure off, but then it, it puts it on in a different way because <laughs> right. the, these scholars that are writing commentaries they can write a chapter on a verse, and and they don't have to worry about the outline so much. You have to actually present it in a way that the congregation can digest it. Well, that's what it comes down to is um, you want it, when when you're done, you don't want people to go like, I have no idea Mm -hmm. in the world how you came up with that sermon. (laughs) You want them to say, okay, I can see roughly an outline of how you got there. And then I can definitely see your points and Uh I understand them. Right. So that's the main goal Mm -hmm. is for, is for, uh, for your church people. Right. So... Um, that should be considered, and that's why you don't preach 12-point sermons. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Okay. All right, well, we're talking about shrewdness. Mm-hmm. Shrewdness. Yeah. Do you want to define that for us? Because, um, as you said in the sermon, it's it's taken on... It's one of those words that's kind of changed in its meaning a little bit yeah. over the years. So this section is really about applied wisdom, and yeah. that's really what shrewdness is. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I began by talking about, you know, Jesus, he tells us uh, to be, sh- um, I'm sending you out into the into the world. Mm-hmm. I'm sending you out among wolves, as sheep among wolves. Matthew 10. Uh-huh. So, be, so be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. So, and the point is, right, you're going into a dangerous world where people will want to devour you. You're like an you're like a, a sheep, a defenseless sheep, but what could you use to maybe prevent being devoured? You can use shrewdness, mm-hmm. which many translations nowadays will translate as be wise as serpents at serpents at innocent mm-hmm. as doves. But um I think shrewdness is better because wisdom um wisdom has to be applied in a variety of ways. So shrewdness would be applying wisdom to ways that benefit you and your family and those around you. Mm. That's what shrewdness is. Today it has like a negative. Uh, If you look it up or maybe just think of uh, how you've heard it used, it can carry kind of somewhat of a negative Mm -hmm. 
and Jesus isn't telling us to do something bad. Right. But today you hear, you know, he was a shrewd businessman. Mm-hmm. What do you think when you hear that word? Right. Can you trust that person? I wouldn't. Yeah, you would better watch yourself <clears throat> around. They might do something shady, mm-hmm. take advantage of you or something like that. And of course, you probably think someone like maybe Trump mm-hmm. is shrewd. Right. Yeah. But Jesus isn't telling you to be shady. Right. He would never do that. Mm-hmm. But what he is telling you to, to be is like street smart. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need to be able to apply wisdom, truth from God uh, about the real world in a shrewd manner mm-hmm. so you aren't devoured. Right. So um, you, you, uh, you, you just meant, you, you just kind of hit it and then you left. And I thought that we could talk about it a little bit here because I think you're absolutely right. The, ho- the, the way that Hollywood portrays Christians, the way that Christians are portrayed in the media just in general is usually they are um, basically cult leaders. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Right. Yeah, that's. Um, they are, um, I don't know, evil. Yes, the evil, they're evil. You know, the evil priest or whatever, uh-huh. the the evil archbishop that's trying to cover up stuff for, you uh-huh. know, or they're just loonies, or self righteous, just mm-hmm. completely self righteous bigots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't have, they're, you don't have shrewd Christians being portrayed. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's because there's not a lot of shrewd Christians out there. Right. Yeah. Well, part of it's because you know Hollywood is probably overseen by a, a great prince demon. Honestly. Um, <laughs> Uh, and the, then, the demon of Hollywood, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Prince of Persia pulled up roots after he took a beat down. <laughs> he took that beat down from Michael mm. Gabriel and he uh set up roots in Hollywood, and there he sits, you know. But <laughs> part of that is because uh, Christians aren't known for shrewdness, I don't mm-hmm. think. Right. They're kind of gullible, they're known for being, I think, a little bit gullible here in mm-hmm. the West, you know, p- people. People uh, attend churches that they think actually preaches the gospel, and they don't even know they aren't hearing the gospel. Right. That's how gullible mm. people are today. Or on the other side, you've got you've got people, um, maybe business owners that go to church, but they're not known as the best as the best person to do business with. Yes. You know. Yeah. They, they're unethical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, Joy and I talked about this. I don't know how many times we've heard of like the Christian teacher at a school being like the teacher that no one wants to have because they're just mean. Yeah, like they're the meanest teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we need shrewd. We need shrewd Christians. Mm-hmm. We need wise Christians that know how to live in the real world mm-hmm. in a godly way. Right. In a godly way. I gave this example, and as I said, it, this could be the only original thing that I've ever thought of. Mm. Um, but probably it'll turn out not to be the case because I thought tactical wisdom was cool. Yeah, and then I was like, "This, this is cool," but it's too cool. Mm. And somebody probably already thought of this, so I googled it, and somebody did. They had a coin, they had written a book called Tactical Wisdom, mm. but I think it's more about like survival than it is about spiritual things. Probably a little spiritual stuff sold in there just so they so can... get a get a big uh, Jim Baker probably bucket of slop. Oh yeah. That that that's tactical that's tactical wisdom, Tactical Jay. wisdom. <laughs> so I had to go with wisdom applied. Okay. Wisdom applied. Uh-huh. But you know, here's the the 
to, to th- help you think of what shrewdness is. Um, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. I don't know where this came from, but th- this is this is a yeah, good. I've heard it. Yeah. You've heard it. Mm. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing you don't put it in fruit salad. Mm. Okay, good. But shrewdness is knowing when you need to eat the salad and when not to. Mm. So there could be a scenario where you need to eat the salad, like you're in another country, you're a missionary, and you know somebody's showing you great hospitality. They're trying to, you know, show their culture to you. They bring you in, and they're like, throw the fruit salad down. It's mm-hmm. got tomatoes in it. Yeah, you just you're just gonna eat it and say thank you and smile, yeah. right? Yeah, my uh, I, I don't know if Julia told me this story or if Julia's mom told me this story. They they used to live in Japan. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law was uh, in the Air Force, and he was stationed over in, in Japan. And um, I guess they eat crow over there. Wow. And uh, so you don't want to offend the host, so you, <laughs> right. you, eat, you eat the crow. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> was it any good? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the impression I right. get from the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, you want that's 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 shrewdness. Like mm-hmm. we don't think about it in that way, but you don't want to miss an opportunity to mm-hmm. uh or run a relationship right. because you were too proud to eat something you thought might be gross. Mm-hmm. It's not a sin, so down the hatch. Right. Say thank you for your hospitality. Right. Yeah. So shrewdness can be it's wisdom applied in the world in a broad spectrum of things. Now he doesn't exhaust all of it, but he gives us a good place with these twelve. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's have you read it. Okay. Let you're gonna me, read. Uh, uh, you're only gonna read the <clears throat> first four, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll start reading uh, in verse thirteen, nine, thirteen through okay. ten, four. All right. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man, wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. All right. Shrewdness. We've got four points here. Yeah. And the first one is that shrewdness is powerful. Mm-hmm. And we see that in verses 14 through the first part of verse 18. Yeah, so he tells this little story. It's like a little, you know, I... Maybe he observed this in another nation, not his own, having a, a, a major network, large network, as the greatest king of his time. But there's a, it's an incredible, really, illustration. There's this, there's this little city with few people in it, so not, not a large city, not a mighty, mighty town with great walls, uh, but a, a great king comes against that. Against that little city, so presumably, you know, the, a powerful army, siege works, power—what we know of as power—but in the little city, there is a man, this nameless wise man, 
And he, by his wisdom, ends up saving the city. And that's the story. And then the lesson is, is that wisdom is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's more powerful than weapons of war. Okay. That's the lesson. That's the point. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the, the point. That's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've got a illustration. Yeah. We've got an illustration in the scriptures of something like this. Is Solomon plagiarizing the author of First Samuel Ooh, here, or Second Samuel? Second Samuel. Second Samuel yeah. twenty. Yeah, I had for I forgot all about I'd forgotten all about this, and it was just in my reading that week. It's a it's a lesser known story. It's right. not you, you've got the you've got Absalom's rebellion that kind of overshadows it. You don't uh, you don't mm-hmm. you don't really talk about what happens after after the rebellion very much. Yeah, after Absalom dies. Sheba, who is a uh, relative of Saul from a, I guess, a smaller clan within the tribe of Benjamin called the Bichrites. And he begins a rebellion on the heels of the other rebellion. Mm -hmm. But it looks like he's starting to gather some steam. So other people from Israel are coming after him as well and joining with him. Um, So Joab, who is apparently, uh, you know, pretty much like... uh, a Marvel superhero. <laughs> he's like a mighty man of, of God, of, of war. Um, he's going to destroy the city where they go and they flee to. Mm. Um, he's a great general. He goes with his army. But you know how this works. If you have two armies, um, it's going to be a total catastrophe. The city is going to get absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. So Joab is laying a siege work against it, <clears throat> which probably like an earth ramp, but don't know for sure. But he's he's... They're getting ready to take the city over. But then there's this uh, nameless woman. Like, who is this woman? No one knows who she is. She's like a s- stealthy spy or something. She's Maybe she was uh, the origin of Black Widow. Huh? Well, you ever think, you ever think where did this come from? I always, I always picture her as like this really old... Like grandma? Yeah, like really old lady. Yeah. I, I, maybe she's like the... Uh, she's like the unspoken, like... She's like the dawn of the city. You know what I'm saying? You got like your man leader, mm-hmm. but this lady's been alive for so long right. that everybody just listens to her. That's how you picture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she goes, she goes out for a secret meeting, and she's like, "Hey, if I if I throw Joe if I throw Sheba's head over, will you not destroy the city?" He's like, "Of course, you know, don't want to destroy the city anyway." So she goes back into town, and now keep in mind, there's an army in there. Sheba's got his army in there, mm-hmm. and somehow. She gets this guy's head, yeah. tosses it over the wall, saves the whole city, because she's shrewd. She's got wisdom. She can apply it to so- the social world, right? She can convince people of what's right to do in the situation to mm-hmm. prevent their destruction. Right. So, th- I mean, it's incredible story, really. Yeah. So we've, we've got it. Um, so there's the the historical event, and then we've got Solomon. He's taking a similar situation and mm-hmm. he's he's saying that wisdom is better than might right yeah even though this uh this this lady is um you okay over there yeah, my, my microphone's yeah. falling apart <laughs> over here there we go i think it, yeah it's, it's a distraction jay yeah stop distracting me <laughs> <laughs> you've got this you've got this unknown lady no one knows her name it's not given 
people don't even remember the story. Yeah, I know. <laughs> let alone crazy. the woman. Um, and so you've got this. You've got this. Uh, this wise man. And Solomon says that his um, no one remembers that no poor one remembers man. Him. No one remembers him. But he says, "I say wisdom is better than might." Yeah. Even though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Yeah. The words uh, of the wise person are are better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look that way, though. No. It, do, it doesn't look that way. But if you just think about history, the people who have like, um, I was thinking about it from this other angle, because we're on the brink of like Western collapse of Western civilization. Uh, I mean, the way things, who knows what where we will go, America will look different than probably it ever has. So will the rest of the West. Um, the people who are going to change the world, who have historically changed the world, haven't maybe been, well, Genghis Khan and other people like that have changed the world. But when you start talking about people that have really made a huge difference, um, they're not like warriors. There's a reason there's the saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. You know what I mean? The pen is mightier than the sword. It's because you can conceal the pen in your sleeve. Yeah. And and then you can <laughs> click it and it turns into a bow staff. <laughs> right? And you can fight an army. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So to think about how to cultivate that in the Christian church and in your children, you know, we got we have a lot of children in this church, and I was just thinking, man, if the if the parents in the church, if we really would invest to teach these kids that the six inches between their ears contains difference making material, like you can change you can change your city, you know, um, with wisdom. With applying God's word, the truth of reality as contained and revealed in the scriptures, applying that wisdom to the world, um, that's more powerful than an army. And that's true. That's This is truth. So starting to cultivate in your children the idea that uh, we need... We don't... If, so say you have a smart, a smart kid, right? He's theologically smart. Well, what does the church automatically say? You need to become a preacher. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Maybe you need to make him a lawyer, and maybe he applies biblical wisdom and his theology into a sphere that needs reformed terribly, or a politician. You know, I mean, that's going to be a tough career for any conservative, especially a Christian, a real Christian. Mm-hmm. But um, we shouldn't just retreat from those places, I think we need to encourage our kids to become wise and shrewd. Mm. And like, and by shrewd, I mean able to, on the, the flip of a switch, see the illogical nature of people's arguments, the fallacies, the danger of them, and then absolutely cutthroat destroy it in public. You know what I mean? I mean, you can, without being a jerk, expose the folly publicly. Right. And we need more of that. You know, Ben Shapiro, he's a Jewish person, and what he does is good. I like what he does, but he's so off As long as he doesn't talk about theology. Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. Um, We need Christians that are like him, but Christian. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, they're ruthless. Yeah. And not in a mean way, but to to expose... Because this... Because folly is... 
is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's harmful to society. Yeah. So we think, as you said, the other way around. Right. It's the powerful, the one with the numbers on their side, but that's not what we see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and I I can't help but think about First Corinthians chapter one, um, because this 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 mindset that uh, wisdom is is better than might is not what you see in a lot of evangelical churches. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the scriptures, Paul in First Corinthians, talking to a, a culture where wisdom means winning an argument, even if you, even if it's not correct. Mm-hmm. Like if you're good with the rhetoric, you win, even if it, they don't really care if it's right. if it's true or not. Just are you persuasive enough? Right. Um. Or uh, you know, might is is being influential it's being the the one who is is lifted up and and looked upon as as uh, you know uh, your your station your 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 position is one to be envied and here's paul coming in having just been released from prison <laughs> you know having been beaten for the you know the umpteenth time and he says that uh God uses the foolishness of the cross to shame the wise of the world. Mm-hmm. And so he's not he's not coming with this rhetoric. He's coming with the, the truth of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. Right. Um Christ Christ crucified. It's it's uh it's a stumbling block to Jews. It's it's folly. It's foolishness. It's the Greek word is where we get our word for moron. Mm-hmm. It's moronic to the Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God uh, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. That, that sounds like Ecclesiastes. That sounds, mm-hmm. that sounds like this passage. Right. Yeah. And we need to be reminded of that in the church mm-hmm. because we want to do all these gimmicks. Yeah. And we want to, I mean, we talked about this last week, er, Whenever a, a a celebrity says anything even remotely close to Christianity, everyone loses their minds because uh, now we've now we've got someone influential that is respected in the the secular world. But now they're a Christian. Uh, they keep you know talking like an unbeliever and acting like an unbeliever and starring in movies that you know um, playing roles that that Christians shouldn't play. But mm-hmm. hey, he's a Christian, um, and it's it's this it's this idea that. That might is better than wisdom, when the scriptures say that that wisdom is better than might. Right. Yeah. And it just—I mean—it just plays out mm-hmm. in in all kinds of practical areas mm-hmm. um, in the church. Right. Yeah. But you've got you've got to not only to try to pursue um, to develop your mind, and you, you've got to pursue being able to apply it. There are a lot of very smart people in the world with high IQs mm. that cannot apply that their wisdom to the real world. Like Solomon. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, he could apply it to the real world in other people. Theoretically. In a, yeah. In other people. He had a great he had a great theoretical right. <laughs> understanding yeah. of wisdom. Right. Yeah. In his own life he was not. Yeah. 
he he uh what the, did he do a little backsliding they call it that yeah, yeah. Huh? um mm-hmm. beyond that right yeah. he was he brought uh i mean he was worshiping false gods mm-hmm. it's a uh, true testimony to the merciful nature of god mm. um that god never removed his love from him just baffle the mind of course it, it appears that Solomon repented toward the end of his life but mm-hmm. it was too late it would cost the uh the entire kingdom would be lost because mm-hmm. of his folly mm-hmm. yep split in two which that takes us to the, the second point right so the first one is that shrewdness is powerful the the second point is shrewdness understands the danger of foolishness or a folly uh-huh. um, and that's uh, the second half of verse 18 into chapter 10 verse 1 yeah 18b is like the end of that verse and then you know the poetry begins but that 18b acts as like a transition thought mm-hmm. i guess it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a transition statement yeah one sinner destroys much good and then the little illustration of the fly uh, dead flies a dead fly makes a perfumer's ointment give off a stench so the lesson is uh, pretty clear, um, but you think I guess you'd have to understand their perfumes and ointments. You think about Jesus, his feet being anointed, and um, how it was an incredibly—I can't remember the exact cost. I wish I'd have looked it up now, but well over a month's worth of pay. Right? Yeah, it's a little, it's, it's a lot a of lot. money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is probably way more than any perfume any of us own or, or cologne, and so this is all poured on you know on his feet. But imagine if it was opened and there was a dead insect inside of it, and instead of it giving off this incredible scent throughout mm-hmm. the whole room, everybody was like, "Oh man, like you paid? What'd you pay for that? You paid five grand for that? It smells rotten, and it's because there's a dead fly in it. Mm-hmm. A dead fly got in your jar, ruined it all. Uh, and so that's the the this lesson is." An entire lifetime of wisdom, right, can be completely undone by a little folly. He says, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. It's not that it's better. He's not saying it's better. What he's saying is it can tip the scales of your whole life. Mm. You indulge in a little folly, that's all it might take. Yeah. It might ruin everything you've ever worked for and built in your entire life. Mm-hmm. can be undone. Right. Um, serious lesson. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard. I mean, we we can think of um, well, uh, we've got uh, the example of one of the preaching professors that you uh, Artazerdia, Artazerdia, Artazerdia. Yeah, yeah um, best preacher no one's ever heard of. <laughs> I started listening. He's to amazing. His, I started listening to his series on Revelation, and I was just blown away. It's like this is. I mean, he just is walking through the text and explaining it and and illustrating it in ways that were really helpful. Oh, yeah. Very skilled, very very gifted person. And he wrote a book on the Holy Spirit and preaching that I thought was phenomenal um, at an affair. Yeah. And he's done. Yeah, he's gone. He won't won't be like one of these guys that tries to return, Mm. I don't think. Um, He's done, done. Mm -hmm. Like, gone. Yeah. Like, I don't even know... If you can find his sermons anymore, I think they're gone. It's, it's like hard he did, to find. It's yeah, like he didn't exist. Yeah, you've got to look for places where they've been archived. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, we've seen it not only with him, the other pit pastors in the SBC. Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias, yeah. Though they didn't find out till after he died, but still mm. his legacy is yeah, not it's like tarnished. Yeah, it's Yeah. Yeah. Uh, churches, um, one rebellious sinner mm. that's not dealt with in their sin can quickly spread and... You know, yeah, I've, got, I, I've given the example of of my first church and the the sexual sin that was mm-hmm. just left to that just kind of put spread. under the rug. Let's just kind of ignore it, and it just kept spreading, yeah. rotted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, or you know, one, a person can build a contingency, try to get you know, split the church, fire the pastor. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you know that had been dealt with using church discipline and they were <clears throat> gone, mm-hmm. when maybe could maybe would have been prevented, uh, or could have been. Um, I don't know anything about that, Jay. Yeah. It's ha- it's happened to quite quite a number of people since uh, since I've been in ministry. Mm-hmm. So what, in like 12 years? Um, you, can it's, see, it's a lot. you can see this in politicians or just just any area of life. I mean, we, we probably all know people that... They have done so much, but they had an affair, or they uh, were caught, you know, uh, I don't know, cheating on their taxes, or doing something unethical. And what what do people remember? Yeah, they remember Bill Cosby. That's all know. I need to say is that name, right? <laughs> Bill Cosby. Right. You just you just remember the you just remember the 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 sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. it overshadows everything. It doesn't matter how much good Bill Cosby did for uh, the black community. Right. Yeah. Um, he was wicked. Yeah. And people remember his wickedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the lesson is you might be tempted to uh, just turn it off. Mm. I'm just going to indulge in foolishness and folly mm. just for a day. Uh, and he's telling you there's a great danger in doing that. Yeah, um, it could end up ruining your. It could end up ruining your life. So don't turn it off. You know, I was thinking about the people who like. They'll maybe go on a vacation away from all of the people that know them, and then they'll just become someone different because mm-hmm. they think nobody will ever know and no one will ever find out. Yeah, but they always get caught. Yeah, they always they always get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is something that um, in the army, it's like almost a. Uh, Stereo, it's a, I don't know if it's the correct word for it, Um, stereotype, cliche. People go on these temporary duties. They go on temporary duties, and they give you extra money when you go. Like, say you have to go for training on the East Coast for some deal, right? You're there for a month. They're going to give you regular pay and then all this extra pay. And so what do they do? I mean, they'll they'll do insane things, have fairs, Mm. go to strip clubs, do drugs. Wow. Think they'll never get caught. They always get caught. Yeah, it always finds them out eventually. Maybe not right at first, and then the whole career is over. Career's run. Marriage is over. Um, but you know, this is the life. This is the soldier life, George. Is this? It's not a surprise to me. And any other soldiers listening to, they know. I could tell you insane stories about what some of the soldiers uh, that. I, that I was uh, their platoon leader did when we were gone. Mm. Like, but you know, you can't control their private life, and as long as it's not against the law, um, and they're not breaking any army laws, they're free to do what they want. 
Crazy stuff, man. Mm. But it always comes back in the end. Always. It always comes back around. Ends up ruining relationships, lives, marriages, children. Just think about that. Think about how much a child may love their father, and uh, you've been faithful, and then you know what? You're going to indulge in a little folly, a little sin, and no one's going to find out. Then your kids find out, and now they never look at you the same again. Mm -hmm. They will never respect you as their father again. Yeah. That happens, mm -hmm. and there's a, so this is a great lesson uh, for for people in the church. Um, we got to talk about it. I mean, it's just it's just burning in my mind. You may not want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, plagiarism, <laughs> all right. Even even if it doesn't do any of that stuff, uh -huh. it doesn't ruin your marriage. It doesn't ruin like you're still right. you still have your job. Um, Ed Litton. You're an SBC president for a time. Mm -hmm. Is he still? No, 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 he he didn't run the second time, and it was uh, because of plagiarism. All the all the controversy surrounding him, he was caught obviously uh -huh. plagiarizing. Um, the extent of it just kept getting bigger and bigger right. and bigger. He still has his he still has his position, right? As far as I know, his family is okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing else. Uh, but his reputation, the only thing that you remember is yep. plagiarism. That's right. Right? Yeah. And um, we keep hearing story after story after story of pastors that do this kind of stuff, and it it just it doesn't matter all this other stuff that you've been doing. That, that one thing um, causes you to lose all respect. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, I find out. I found out recently. I was converted under plagiarized sermon. Mm -hmm. I told you that. I mean, that really bothered me for a minute, and then I remembered my theology that God is <laughs> that God is sovereign. And I also remembered what Angie told me before I got up to preach at, at chapel at Midwestern. I was so nervous, uh -huh. and she was like, "It's okay. God spoke through a donkey once. <laughs> you'll you'll be all right." So God can do what He wants. You know. What yeah. I mean? So. Uh, but yeah, it was a, that was a little beyond uh, disappointing to mm -hmm. find out. Yeah, you know, right? Um, but the, just the little the little fly mm -hmm. in the ointment. Yeah, yeah, runs the whole thing. It does. Right? Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a disappointing thing when you hear about the plagiarism. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I am all for stealing everyone's illustrations. They're they're open. It's open season on illustrations, right? And and as long as you don't present, pre and present it. No. it like you That's like it happened say. to you. As it, long Jay, as did I ever tell you about the one time that I was duck hunting and I almost died? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you take you take the story. You you preach. I hear you preach in, in 15 years and it's George falling yeah. falling through the ice. And then and then it's your friend Shimmy's out and uh -huh. and, and and, and rescues you. That's that's a different level of uh, yeah. of uh, than I'm talking about. Yeah. But uh, general illustrations, they're open game. Um, but um, it's just like anything else. If you're in seminary, uh, you're not going to turn in a paper that's someone else's, or you're going to get mm. you're going to get kicked out. Mm -hmm. And and Drake reminded me. I was talking about with him. He's like. Yeah, they'll kick you out of regular college too for that. It's like good point, good point, good point, Drake. That's still true, I suppose. You know, colleges don't know what a man and woman is, and they'll let them compete in sports. Um, they'll let them plagiarize someone's gender, but not yeah. a paper. 
right? <laughs> you don't plagiarize a paper, they'll kick you out. Yeah. <laughs> Gender plagiarizers. We just came up with a new word, a new phrase. Hey, yeah, maybe that's your original. Maybe. Maybe that's your original thought. Yeah. You'll have to look and see if anyone's come up with it. Yep. All right. You have to trademark that while you have the chance. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, shrewdness understands the danger of foolishness. Uh, number three, shrewdness walks the narrow road. And this is chapter 10, verses two and three. Yeah, yeah. So a, man, a, man's, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, a fool's to the left. And this really isn't uh, as tempting as it was to make a political uh, point out of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the point, right? Yeah. Uh, or to or to bring in the old Indian uh, proverb, you know, the right wing and the left wing belong to the same bird. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is, there are two different paths to live in your life. Yeah. There are two ways to walk. There's the narrow road, which you know, I, there's no way you can read this stuff and not think about Jesus' teaching on the narrow road and the broad road to destruction. But the two ways are the ways of wisdom and the ways of folly. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. And then verse 3 supports it by saying how obvious it is to people who, well, it should be. It's obvious to the wise, mm. uh, maybe not to the world, but it's obvious who the fools are in this world. Yeah. A fool makes himself known as he walks down the road. He can't help it. Everyone knows he's a fool. Um, so we went through various ways that people reveal mm-hmm. how they are fools and how foolish they are. A lot of it has to do with the way they speak. Which is interesting. Uh, I guess we reveal a lot about ourselves by how we talk, what we say. Yeah, I mean that's um, that seems to be a big part of what Jesus says in Matthew fifteen. Mm-hmm. That what goes into your mouth isn't what makes you unclean. Yep. But what comes out? Yeah. Right. That all these things come out of your heart. So you're you're speaking. You're speaking out of who you are. Yeah, yeah. And you can you can lie, and you can deceive people, but eventually, it it's revealed that yeah. this is coming from a lying heart. Yeah, and I think maybe the only way to hide that you're a fool is to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, doesn't. And there's a proverb about mm-hmm. that, I believe. Yeah. Um. Every everyone will maybe assume you're wise if you just keep your mouth shut, mm-hmm. but no no fool can do that. They just can't. <laughs> they just have to be heard. Uh-huh. Um, so they reveal this is revealed in how how you speak in particular a fool takes no pleasure in understanding Proverbs 18.2 but only in expressing his opinion Mm. so a fool doesn't seek to actually know and to understand things they already know everything you're not going to teach them anything and they're going to tell everybody about how much they know you don't know anything you ever met anybody like that oh yeah (laughs) Like, yeah, this is... I have a teenager, Jay. Yeah. Well, that's what I said into this. Like, this sounds so much like teenagers, especially early year teenagers. Mm. You know, as they get older, closer to their 20s, they start to realize that they don't really know so much, I Mm. think. But, you know, that... This is... What I I was thinking about here is these liberals, these fake Christian posers who try to to tell you what Christianity is really about. (laughs) And yeah. like you just invented that, like your your beliefs just came into being in the last decade. Mm-hmm. You're a moron, right? You're not a Christian. You're a poser. Well, I, I can think of even 
legitimate Christians who can do things like this. I mean, we talk about cage stage Calvinism. True. The person that just discovers the doctrines of grace, like <laughs> this is some brand new thing that they've just, right, they've right, just, right. Uh, and they go to their pastor of 30 years and, <laughs> right. And try, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's become kind of a joke to talk about those first year seminary students that, you know, they take intro to Greek, intro to Hebrew and, and, you know, the, the basic classes and all of a sudden they think that they know better than their, their pastor who's, mm-hmm been pastoring for you know longer than they've been alive right and that's 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 foolish yeah. i mean we joke about it we joke about cage stage calvinism but it it's it, it is foolishness to do that it is yeah it is it is foolishness um it's i was gonna say unbecoming it's sinful yeah uh-huh. if right. we're all the ways we're talking about here that are not on this the wise way mm-hmm. the fool's way those are this is sin. Yeah, and I, I, I that's that, I'm glad you brought that up because it's really easy for us to hear the word folly and we think of fools and and you know they're to be pitied, but um, it it is sinful mm-hmm. to walk in this foolish path. Yes. Now the 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 you know you take the whole Bible together and we all are fools, mm-hmm. but um, the repentant person doesn't continue living like a fool. Yeah, you know, you're not not to be like a dog who goes back to his vomit. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this speech continues by their speech. They uh, in Proverbs seventeen seven, what we see is they're not good at speaking. They and the the thing is there is they're not, it's not that they're not good at rhetoric. It's more like that they're not good at making logical arguments. Mm. And we know, and we have seen many people like like they they will win people to their side, not by the the uh, truth in the argument mm-hmm. or um, how how cogent it is uh, that it's logically sound, mm-hmm. but by their but by their rhetoric, by their emotion, mm-hmm. by their ability to draw emotion out of you. Right, that's a fool, mm-hmm. and fools are captivated by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they reveal to everyone that's wise, the wise and discerning person can see through it all mm-hmm. and hear what they're actually saying and go, that is utter nonsense. Right. That's total nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're telling you that they're a fool. Another way that they do it is they don't like discipline. I mean, I couldn't do all of them. There are a gazillion of them <laughs> right. in, in the Proverbs. Uh-huh. Uh, but they don't like discipline. Um and because of their f- great folly, they're led astray. And led astray there is led astray from God's path, like mm-hmm. God's ways and wisdom. It's, it's Psalm 2, yeah. or Psalm 1, excuse me, Psalm 1. Yep. Yeah. And so, of course, we, you know, I, I brought up the teenagers because teenagers are this way. They mm-hmm. think they know that they think they know everything. And um, I mean, Drake's a great young man. He's become a great young man. But early when he was a teenager, I mean, the type of s- stuff, I'd be like, Drake, you're doing this when you pitch. Um, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Drake, I literally, you know, yeah. I literally pitched four years in college uh-huh. and I've watched pitching my whole life. Mm. You're doing this. It's not good. No, I'm not. This is what I'm doing. I'm I'm glad that you know you're encouraging me this this Monday morning, Jay. I'm I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm not alone. And then I'm like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, you're delusional yeah your brain is out of what like it's something is misfired yeah you know you're in all honors classes is that really you 
But, you know, maturity, he's matured now. So now he, he knows how to take correction. He knows. Yeah, a, I mean, Solomon says that, that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Yep. I like how the rest of that proverb goes. The The rod of discipline will drive it that's, far from it. That's right. <laughs> yes. It's it's like that clip we watched a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. Beat, yeah. Beat him up. Kid won't kid won't come to church. What do I do? Beat him up. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't understand these parents that let their kids run the like run their house. They're like, "Oh, you know, they're 13. They can make their own decisions." I'm like, "No, they can't." <laughs> <laughs> they we're, cannot. We're gonna, uh, Jay, we're gonna we're gonna drift far, far away from your sermon <laughs> by talking about this. I I am blown away by parents that let their kids dictate where they go to church. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we've both seen this, uh-huh. right? Oh yeah. Like yeah. if the if the kids if there's stuff for the kids if the kids like going that's where mm-hmm. we'll go right. even if the everything else is just complete nonsense absolute nonsense right instead of the parents who are supposed to be wise <clears throat> right and the kids who are foolish it, it doesn't make any sense the parents are supposed to be the ones that are making these these <laughs> these big decisions i mean where you go to church has repercussions for years years well, and years and years maybe your entire life and you're letting your kids you're letting your kids dictate where you go, that's that's absolute. That's absolutely bonkers. Yes, it is. But there's a reason for that. And like what I said here is like, like teenagers are this. But if you discipline your child, you love your children, you'll discipline them. They'll grow out of it. Like, hey, Drake is like a pretty much an adult now. I don't have to parent him anymore. Yeah. But that's because I disciplined him when he was young. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have to parent him and discipline him. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the way it should work. And then you send him out into the world. Go glorify God in your life. Make your family. Um, a lot of people never that never happened to a lot of adults mm. and i know you've met them you know they're 35 but they have the wisdom of a teenager mm-hmm. they're still bound up in folly mm-hmm. they never matured and it's because uh, a lot of times it's because they they never actually pursued wisdom at the study of the bible they were never in a good church um so some of it's their fault some of it's not their fault mm. some of it is their pastor's fault but not all because some of it's their fault. Mm-hmm. But so now they're 35 and, you know, or they're 40 and now their teenagers are making decisions for them. Yeah. So we it's not virtuous to stay a teenager until you're 35 years old. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's called uh, arrested development. Yeah. Where you don't you just don't grow up. Yeah. Like you you just don't you don't move out of that teenage foolishness mm. it, it just kind of follows you into yeah adulthood mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you could see a, a 65 year old fool uh-huh. oh, yeah. and that many of them are leading our government mm-hmm. well uh you, we didn't talk about it but you gave the illustration not in this point but in the the previous point of of shrewdness understanding the the danger of, of foolishness uh-huh. and you gave the example of of king saul yeah and king saul he's I think he became four. I mean, I think he was forty when he became king, somewhere around there. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I mean, this is the this is the age of mature manhood. Should be, but yeah. what do you see in in Saul's life? I mean, it's just characterized yeah. by um, foolishness, impatience, mm-hmm. petulance. Yeah. How how long? That's what I was trying to figure out, but I didn't want to spend a ton of time, you know, researching an illustration. How long from the time he was anointed king to this uh, 
this this episode in Gilgal mm. where he's like, "You done messed up, and yeah. the kingdom's going to be taken from you mm-hmm. because you acted foolish." Yeah. How long was that? I'm not sure. It doesn't seem to be very long. It doesn't seem to be very long, no. Yeah. No. So, yeah, and then it just gets progressively worse. He makes another rash decision by not uh, devoting to destruction. Is it the Amalekites mm-hmm. and their and their all that? Well, even even and, and with just, uh, even with the Philistines, he's just making these bizarre um, decisions. He he won't let the army eat until the Philistines are defeated. Yeah, and he makes a vow that anyone who eats before um, I'm avenged upon my enemies. I'm avenged upon my enemies right. will die, and Jonathan Jonathan, Jonathan eats some food. He doesn't know about the, the vow, about yeah. the oath, and he's yeah. going to kill his own son, who has just won this great victory. And it's just, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's he is he is a king like the other nations. He he's is. exactly what Israel asked for, uh-huh. and he's foolish. Yep, yep. So he and he indulges in just a little bit at the beginning, mm-hmm. but the little bit ends up being his ruin. And mm-hmm. then that leads into more folly mm-hmm. and more and more and more. And then, you know, you got him running around trying to spear people into walls. Lick loses his mind. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, he becomes possessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and again, that, that, um, that highlights that when we talk about foolishness, we're not talking about my kid put his shirt on backwards. Right. We're talking about someone who is in active rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about with foolishness. Right. Right. I mean, you can see it. I mean, what do you see in our society, man? I mean, for crying out loud, you've got athletic directors at Division One schools, like Ivy League schools, saying insane statements like, it's just a common misunderstanding that men have an advantage over women in sports. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're an AD? Like you're an athletic director, you're actually uh-huh. a moron. Yeah, you are a stupid person. Yeah, you're literally you are literally stupid. You know, Brooks doing pole vault, and it's pretty sweet. I mean, I, it's a cool sport. Mm-hmm. I love how it's impressive. You know, through these other things that she's doing, my world opens up into other things I never experienced. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. Track is, is pretty like fun. Sta- like standing, uh, standing track and field bundled yeah, up yeah. on a on a Saturday. Standing against walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see, the military, I've trained my whole life for that. Okay. All right. You've, Hurry this, up and your wait. Your whole life has been preparing you for this point. Prepared me to stand there and okay. do nothing. All right. <laughs> but, you know, you go and look. Go and look at an Olympic pole vaulter woman. Impressive. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you go look at a pole vaulter man. Right. And you're talking about, like, it will... You won't think it's real how high they go. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's like they're trying, it's like who, who invented this? Did the Vikings <laughs> right. invent this to pole vault over people's walls and raid them? Like it's, uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. There is not, if, if a man enters it's women's nin- pole vault, it's ninja stuff. If a man in- enters women's pole vault, it's over. Uh-huh. It's over. Yeah. So I'm trying to prepare her. I'm going to say, look, you're kind of a, I mean, she's kind of ruthless when she argues which is good. It can be a good trait if aimed correctly. Mm. See, there's going to come a time in your life, maybe you're going to have to rally the women. Some man enters your sport, and maybe you all protest. Mm. You all stand up and turn your back on them publicly and refuse to compete. <clears throat> or just beat them with a sock full of quarters. Right. Yeah. Whichever one. Yeah. You know, whichever one works. Well, one of, you know, those would get news big time, either right. one of those. Right. 
And what would what would the news do with like thirty women who jumped a dude who's guilty of gender plagiarism? Just a cat fight, Jay. What would they do though? <laughs> I mean, like, because they're you know they're supposed to, they're like pro woman supposedly. Yeah, I don't know. And women are minorities still. Mm-hmm. What would they do? I don't know. How do we walk in the right way, Jay? There's a there's two paths. There's two paths. The foolish path and the righteous path. How do you walk? How do you make sure that you're not walking the foolish path and that you're walking the righteous path? <sighs> yeah. Instead? So, I mean, I cut out. I probably wrote four pages on this, and I was like, "All right, I'm cutting this out, saving it for the last sermon, because the last sermon is about the fear of the Lord. This is mm-hmm. where it begins. Mm-hmm. the The end of the matter is this: fear the Lord and keep His commands. That's like the whole duty of man. Mm-hmm. That's how this book ends. But also in Proverbs, we read that the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to be wise and not be a fool, and you want to walk on this other way of life, which is good, um, first you have to fear the Lord. What is that? What does that mean? Well. It doesn't mean that you're afraid of him, like you're afraid of some cruel ruler who's going to punish you if you don't give him allegiance. It's that you come to see God for who he is, and that you he's someone to be revered, he's majestic, awe-inspiring, um, to be admired, a sense of admiration, of love, and someone that worthy of commitment. Um, that's the first, that's the fear of the Lord. So how do you how do you begin to fear the Lord? Well, God's given you all kinds of ways, and he's given it to every person on the planet. The first is to not ignore general revelation. General revelation is screaming out at you that there is a God who created everything and you're not him, mm. and he is powerful, uh, awesome, awe-inspiring. All you have to do is go uh, you know, go out in the country. If you live in the city, it may it may take some work, but get away from the lights and just go somewhere where you can look up at the stars. The first time you see the stars away from the light pollution, will take your breath away. Mm. You will be you will be just struck by the magnitude and the number and how small and puny you are. And what you're also going to know, every person will know is there is a creator who created all of this. Mm. And I believe every person knows that. Now, what you do with that knowledge, you may suppress it because you don't like it. You may suppress that truth and unrighteousness, unrighteousness, but don't do that. Use what God has given you to glorify him. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, so then you should see it, and then you should glorify God. Mm-hmm. Um, but God goes even further than that, because the whole story, I was reading just this week, in the ancient times... All of the surrounding cultures did not have a concept of history. They were like uh, nature-type religions, right? Mm-hmm. Their whole system of religion kind of revolved around nature and what the gods were doing with nature, but not the Jews. Mm-hmm. They had a concept of history, and this is a major anomaly. They pretty much invented history. And the author says the reason that they had this is because their god interacted in human history. Mm. And so they recorded historical acts. Yeah. And so their entire framing of literature revolves around the God who acts in history mm. to draw near to his people. Yeah. And so that's that's beyond general revelation. God reveals himself in that way to his people, and that's recorded in the Bible. And then that culminates in the revelation of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And so if you want to 
cultivate a fear of the Lord, then understand and look to the cross of Christ and see the God who acts in history to deliver his people from their sins. Mm. And you will then fear the Lord. Step one. Step two, then, is to ask God to give you wisdom. I'm not... <clears throat> you know, like Some people would say, well, you know, um, some ultra-cessationists would say God doesn't like divinely give things like he does. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen this? God mm-hmm. does not do any miracles. Right. I, don't, I don't believe that's true. I believe God can do a miracle. He can do whatever he wants. He, yeah. can, he can supernaturally gift somebody with wisdom like he did Solomon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solomon asked for wisdom. I mean, the scriptures literally command us to ask for wisdom. Right. If anyone, James 1, right? James 1, if, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Ask. Yeah, but some people would say, well, God only will do that if you read the Bible. Yeah. I, I believe that part is important and true, yeah. but I don't believe he only will. Right. I believe God, when he's, he can do with his people as he will, yeah. and if someone needs wisdom and they ask God, and it's part of God's plan for their mm-hmm. life, he can give that person more wisdom than they could have ever got naturally. Yeah. Well, uh, as uh, Josh King and I were talking about this over the weekend. We've talked about it before. You're sitting there, you know, um, laboring over a text, and you don't know, you know, what this means, and you ask God to help you, and it's, it's like the light bulb goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that's... I don't think that that's violating cessationism. Like this is somehow I'm inspired to right. uh, know this, but I think that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is not passive. He's not just right lounging around. Yes, you know, yeah. um, he he's actively working in our lives, and I I think that that he will. I mean, if the Bible says ask for wisdom, yeah. and he'll give if you. If you believe without doubting, mm-hmm. um, I I have no reason to believe that he won't answer that prayer. Yes, I, right. I don't. I don't have any reason to believe that that what James says in James chapter one ended with the close of the canon. Now you can't ask for wisdom. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, how often do you ask for wisdom when you pray? I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's an a, an important question to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. I bet not often. Yeah, or I would, for your children yeah. to mm-hmm. give your children wisdom, make them wise, mm-hmm. yeah. um, supernaturally wise. Right. So fear the Lord. Step two: Ask God. These seem like so much. Com- I mean, this is just common sense. It's common sense, if yes, God, but we don't do it. If God's like, "I'll give you something if you ask," right? And like, <laughs> well, how how often do we come to uh, to Matthew chapter six and Jesus says, "Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open." And we're like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like we, 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 we simply don't pray the way that we should. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, all these promises are given to us, and we're like, I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I gotta, you know, I, I gotta get to work or uh, what's on Facebook. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous yeah. how we act. It is common sense, but in our sinfulness and our foolishness, we. We don't do the simple things. Yeah. Step three is to pursue wisdom. So you should ask for it, and then you shouldn't just sit around and wait. You should go to God's Word and read. You should read the Word, listen to the Word, read books about the Word, all three. Mm. Um, listen to podcasts. Hey, hey. Hey, yo. Um, 
and God will impart to you wisdom. I mean, you have uh, these proverbs. You can read one every day for the month, mm-hmm. like a little present there for you. Yeah, and just do it every month mm-hmm. for that day. Yeah, you don't even have to guess what day is it. What's today's date? Oh, I'm reading that proverb today, mm-hmm. and just do that, and uh, and you will become wise. Er, wiser. Because <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think we want to. I don't want to call myself wise. You know what I'm saying? Wiser than I once was. Wiser than you once were. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think you're pretty wise. Uh, I, well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, but I, I I don't know yet. We'll see. You need some more. Uh, you need some more of this. Time will tell. You need some more of this before more, you look. Before you look wise. I mean, I don't but, know if I'm ever going to get the gray like you. Yeah. I get you got, a you got like a streak. You got like yeah, those got are. That's that's uh that's Solomon's fault though. That's him. Ecclesiastes did that to me. Pouring over Ecclesiastes and yeah. Yeah. making me question my entire existence and um, even you know uh, if if I'm even a preacher like you know thanks Solomon. Thanks for organizing your book this way. Start praying like uh, Jeremiah. Why won't you just let me die? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Fourth one, shrewdness is restrained in the face of anger, and that's verse five. Yeah. Um, Nope, four. If anger of the ruler... Yeah, if the anger of the ruler arises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay a great offense to rest. So... It's a very simple lesson. Um, how do you react when people are are angry with you, and especially those who have power and influence over you? Um, you need to not respond to anger with anger, and you don't need to respond by just turning your back and walking away, which will make someone even more mad. You ever had somebody turn their back on you and walk away? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a major offense, mm-hmm. is it not? Yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. Stay Could- calm. Yeah, could we could we tie this back into the the first uh, the first point that wisdom is is better than might. Mm-hmm. This this poor wise man saves the city and he's forgotten. Right. And how do we how do we respond when we're slighted? Mm-hmm. I mean, anger is the is the reaction to a perceived offense, mm-hmm. a, a perceived wrong. Right. And it would seem that if someone saves the entire city and then <laughs> right. they're forgotten, your your natural reaction to that wrong would be anger. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. You can you can apply this to a whole variety of of things and scenarios. Um, this is important though when uh, you're interacting. Like you know, a lot of our folks are in the military still. You know, you have some real jerks that are over you. When people get power, one of two things will happen. It may humble them, and then they'll realize, you know, they don't know everything, and they need they need those that that are around them, even those they lead, those under them mm-hmm. in authority. They need them. Yeah. It's all part of this team, this system. Right. Um, then there are those that get rank and power, and they just become tyrants. You wonder how you end up with Nero. I don't. <laughs> I don't wonder at all because I've yeah. seen people, my peers. You know, we get put in command at the same time, and all of a sudden they become a little tyrant. Mm-hmm. Like they're god of this world, of this little sphere they have. <laughs> I mean, that's not a. That's not a, the military does not have the uh, the the market on that. I mean, <laughs> I've worked at real retail places, like 
this is the the least amount of power that you could possibly have over a person <laughs> <laughs> and you act like a king yeah uh yeah i mean this is this is everywhere mm-hmm. george you did you forget one time to take off the security device and then you and then they laid into you for it uh no but there's been several <laughs> things that i i did wrong that uh, they just lose their mind over yeah well that's their chance to uh to show their great authority. Mm-hmm. But what do you do? I mean, so people work, you know, in the in the world, you're working for bosses and they and they they just go off on you. Mm-hmm. Well, what God tells us to do is to be calm, and your calmness could actually pacify them. Mm. Could lay this great offense to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I read uh I can't remember where I read this, uh who who was writing about it, but it's the idea of if you turn your back and walk away, Really, what you've done is indulged uh, pride. So you you probably have the sin of pride in your heart, mm. and you're indulging it because it feels good, right? Mm. It feels good to tell your boss off, mm-hmm. even without words, <laughs> right. which would be turning your back on them and walking out. Mm-hmm. You think you're hurting them. <laughs> I gave the, the illustration that you know I've many times people will be like, "I'm quitting, I'm leaving." And that'll tell them, mm-hmm. and then they leave, and everybody's like, "I'm glad they're gone." <laughs> Yeah. So you you uh, indulge the pride this pride in yourself, and you hurt nobody except for you and your family. You hurt you hurt you and your family. The bo- the boss and all the other all your other coworkers are glad you're gone because they're hoping they can get somebody in that's better. It, this is the way of the world, mm-hmm. but a Christian can't be that way. Yeah. So a Christian, you just take it, yeah. and you might say, "I don't like that." Well, I don't. Maybe I don't like it either. You know, because sometimes you just want to fight back. Yeah. But Jesus asks us to do it, and he doesn't ask us to do things that he didn't do. Because mm-hmm. he's he's the best, the best leader. Uh, so everything that he has done, we are expected to do. And he, when reviled, did not revile in turn. Right. He suffered unjustly, and so he calls us sometimes to suffer unjustly. And there's wisdom in it, because... As uh, we read here in 10.4, it may actually change the heart of the person and work out for your good. Mm. So that's the point. And that's four of 12. There are more coming. It's a lot packed in there. Yeah. And so what should be obvious should be, but we could spell it out. We all have a measure of this foolishness and folly bound up in us, so it's Mm -hmm. not a moralistic sermon of do's and don'ts. Um, Now, that's not to say it isn't a sermon of do's, because Mm -hmm. we are to be shrewd as serpents. And so how do we learn it? From the Word. You should do these things, Mm -hmm. and you fail. Now, that's not... It's not great, right? It doesn't... We shouldn't then retreat into, um, well, I just have to do better. And if I do better, then I'll be a better Christian. Right. Um, that's a path to legalism. What we should understand immediately is there is a man who did all of these things perfectly. Jesus Christ did all of these things perfectly. Mm. He is wisdom incarnate, and he is truly a man like us at the same time, God and man. And as a man, he was shrewd. Right. You never, you don't think about Jesus that way, though, huh? Well, you might, but most people. Well, don't. it's because that's because of the negative connotation of shrewdness that we have 
nowadays. Right. That's that's why we probably wouldn't think of Jesus as being shrewd because it just seems like well, there's a there, that seems like a sinful thing for mm. you to be. I mean, he's shrewd on a number of a whole host of places where he's shrewd, where oh, he, yeah. he was maybe tempted to sin, mm. or people are trying to entrap him. Mm-hmm. Um, All of his engagements with the religious leaders, mm-hmm. it, he's he's shrewd. Yep, he has to be because they they set these traps that are double sided. Yeah. Like if you go this direction, we got gotcha. you. If you go this direction, we got gotcha. you. And Jesus in his perfect wisdom it gives them an answer that they they yeah. never even uh-huh. suspected. Right. Um, and confounds them. Uh-huh. That's shrewdness. Yeah. That's right. And so we fail and to fail to be shrewd is sin. Mm-hmm. It, you can't sugarcoat it any other way. It's not right. immaturity. Mm-hmm. It's a sin. Yeah. Uh, but we have a great representative for us. You know, this is Christianity. Jesus Christ is, he was perfectly wise on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And so our failings, um, our failings, he takes upon himself and he gives us his victories and his perfections of wisdom. Yeah. And so um, we don't fall into this legalistic trap. We do go, though, however, I am, I'm justified by faith in Christ alone and, you know, I'm forgiven of my foolishness, and yet I still want to be like him. So I need to listen to Solomon, right. and I need to pursue these things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I would ask you where you're going next week, but uh, you don't know where you're going next week. So well, <laughs> we'll yeah. keep going. Yeah, we'll yeah. keep going somewhere in Ecclesiastes chapter ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how far we go. We'll continue on with. Yep. Uh, I'd say bet we'll get four more. Okay. I'd say. Okay. But we might get them all. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully this has been helpful for you. Hopefully it's been beneficial because we are called to um, trust in Christ, and then obey him mm-hmm. and jesus tells us to be wise and yeah. so we ought to be wise and so we've seen that today in ecclesiastes so if this has been helpful please make sure to like subscribe and share and we will see you on uh, on friday for a uh, fun free for all friday fun free all for right. all all right. right have a good week thanks for watching <laughs>